Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Jags. Hey, Corey, how's it going? It's going. I am uh, quickly back to trying to get rid of freaking mice again. They follow me everywhere I live. And you know what, you know what I think we did? Oh, I have actually have a tip for people. For anyone who has an older Airstream like I do. So my brother helped me the other night, like sealing off the exterior, um, any potential place where they could get in. So under, if you, if you look under the where the hitch is and the tongue, they have two, the two like beams coming in forward and any of the models before 2014, they're freaking open. Well, those channel in through the unit and then there's like small holes in there about the size of a quarter where they can hop out and now they're inside. Stupid. They didn't start. So you got to seal those ends off. So anyways, so then... I'm on the inside and I'm double checking everything and, and the, like the heater hose, the long coil thing that runs under the couch, it had disconnected from the one end. So we taped that closed. So then I'm in there the following night and I hear a mouse in there scurrying around. I'm like, oh shit, we trapped him in the hose. So as soon as we're done recording, I have to figure out how to try and get him out of there and then contain him. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a couple mouse traps set up in there, but I don't like to hurt them, you know. Yeah, and you have to go two miles. They'll find their way back two miles away. Wow, it's wow. the story of my life, though. We've been doing this <laughs> podcast for how many years? How many places have I lived? And I'm always battling mice. It's crazy. Right, I know they follow you everywhere you go. They, they do. <laughs> All the other critters do too, though. So I'm good yeah. with those. You know, the chipmunks and the hummingbirds and the rabbits. Those are good. There you go. Anyway, how's it going there? Oh, it's going good. It's crazy as usual. So, yeah, just trying to juggle a lot, but, you know, know. making it through. Yeah. And speaking yep. of a lot, we have a mm -hmm. lot to go over today. Um, we're going to talk about, you have a few updates and announcements that we'll go through up front, and then we'll get into kind of the meat of the conversation. We're going to talk a, 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 an extensive amount uh, about bricks. Uh, we'll get into the the Trump indictments and really the more about the backlash and what comes next from all of this. And we'll wrap up with a good story about a 12-year-old boy winning against his school over the Gadsden flag. So lots to nice. get into. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, there's some updates and announcements and some little tidbits I want to get in before we get into those. Uh, so this just published last night. I went on uh, with Sarah Westall. If you go to Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Westall, W-E-S-T-A-L-L, -L, follow her. She's fantastic. SarahWestall.com. Uh, so I had the pleasure of going on with Sarah and talking about the laundering scheme, the immunity scheme, and we talked about some other stuff too. So that just um, that just aired yesterday well technically wednesday and uh wanted to let people know that we're not going to be recording next week because i'm going to be on the road um but the following week we're bringing elza van hamlin back on because she just put out a bombshell report on uh dutch farmers and fishermen and actually, you know, traveled around and met with them and got some really good insight on what's going on there. Nice. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 
definitely. And, and then uh, let's see, what else do we have? I'm trying to remember what else I sent you. Oh, the Prime Act. Oh, you got this one? All right, we'll do this one. So <laughs> <laughs> so Peter McCullough, there's, uh, this is a Twitter link here, but we'll, we'll post the link to uh, the article itself so that you can see the uh, spike detox protocol, which now appears in uh, US Medical Journal. I'm not sure which journal it's in, but he, if you scroll back, scroll back up edge. Um, so how do you pronounce that? Is it natokinase or natokinase? I would say nat natokinase, something natokinase, like that. Natokinase, 2000 fibrin units. So, so it's that with the bromelain and the curcumin. And he explains, you know, how long you should do it, what dosage uh, for spike detox protocol if you know for those who have gotten the jab i think that's uh that's really important yeah hugely important i just got word from a friend who um her husband took the jab and now has congestive heart failure and is oh. going to need major heart surgery a young man early 30s prime of his life has was like works out every day perfect health can you know i mean like he's mm -hmm. he's a specimen right mm -hmm. and and this is not the the kind of person that should be getting congestive heart failure right i know i've talked with people recently who have had either family members or friends, you know, people they know, at, again, like in their 40s and 50s, having strokes and heart conditions and stuff. So it's just, it's, it's so sad. I think he says in this clip that, uh, and we don't have to play the whole clip, but I think he says in here that they've now estimated about a third of the people were affected um, really bad. And then a third of the people have had are showing like some, you know, lesser side effects and a third of the people don't seem to be affected at all, which I will still stand by my original thought when this all, you know, started is that I think they were releasing some placebos in order to kind of control the situation and study it all. Yeah, we know from multiple studies that the batches aren't consistent at all. And so it stands right. to reason, especially when, you know, because a lot of people have uh, studied and, and logged and followed the batches that some turned out to be way more toxic right. than others. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was another one I wanted to show. And this one I actually want to play. It's just a one minute clip. So about the Prime Act. Um, so this one right now, if you... Ever, we encourage everyone call your U.S. representatives and senators uh, by September 5th and urge them to support. I guess there's there's like two different ones here. H.R. 2814 and S907. Uh, so we'll play this clip, but this is about the Prime Act uh, farming. Really, really, really important one that they've been trying to get through for a while. And I believe they've picked up more uh, co-sponsors of this. So let's just roll this one minute clip so people kind of understand what this is all about and why it's so important. 
What could be the biggest opportunity for food freedom in nearly two decades is here, but you have to take action. Small farmers have two options when it comes to meat processing facilities, USDA and custom exempt. To sell their meat to the public, small farmers have to process through USDA meat processors. These are facilities with USDA agents on the premise at all times. If processed at a custom facility, the meat is stamped not for resale and prohibited from distribution to the public. USDA facilities are very expensive and very hard for small farmers to access. For example, to process a lamb at a USDA meat processor, I have to drive two hours round trip and pay $225 versus 40 minutes round trip and $80 at a custom meat processor. While it is often argued that the USDA oversight is required in order to assure food safety, there are no records of any foodborne illness traced to any custom slaughterhouse since 2012. Call your representative as well as both of your U.S. senators by September 5th and urge them to sign H.R. 2814-S907, which will remove restrictions on resale of meat from custom exempt meat processors. See the pinned comment for a link to find your legislator's contact as well as a longer video on the topic. Oh, you cut it like two seconds short. I'm just kidding. It's fine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's fine. No, so it's really important. I know, I think Thomas Massey is the one who uh, kicked that off a while back. They've been trying to get this through, and I believe they have picked up co-sponsors along the way. So everybody, call your representatives. We need to get this put through. Yeah, definitely. And this kind of goes back to that conversation that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago with our friend um, and, and talking about how fighting for how how important it is to fight for these local farmers to be able to process on site or right. you know locally um, rather than going through this whole bureaucracy to be able to do it. And it's intentional and it's designed to bring down the small farmer, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've talked with many where they have to drive like six hours just to get to a slaughterhouse, you know, and then they have to have, uh, you know, a, a cooler truck in order to pick it up and bring it back. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's very intentional. So everyone needs to uh, get a hold of your reps on that. And then I wanted to explain in my one little, yeah, my Twitter thread here, Gosh, I'm going blind. I'm telling you, I feel like my glasses just aren't even working for me. anymore. <laughs> Let me blow this up so I can read what I wrote. <laughs> the uh, So we got billions going to Ukraine. And we've seen in the past where Congress has demanded to know exactly how this money is being spent and where it's going. And um, of course, people rightfully very uh upset about all of this because they're getting billions and billions while people in you know maui are well we're going to give you each 700 dollars just you know just 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 to for for immediate needs they said just 700 dollars, and that's all that's in our budget because our freaking budget in 2022 alone 61 billion dollars to other countries so just so people understand, if you, if you look at this first one, the I was looking through some of the funds and who's channeling, actually channeling the money through to Ukraine, and the World Bank Group handles a lot of it. And the problem with that is the World Bank Group has full immunities and privileges. So once again, you know, they're part of the UN, and they... Uh, you're not going to be able to FOIA crap. And then if you go to the third clip that I put up there, so when you go into the Foreign Aid Data Explorer and you start looking through all the funds going out and you see, well, which department's doing the funding and who is the one who's who's actually 
the gateway to transfer the money through. Um, when it's not the case of the World Bank, and let's just say it's the Department of Defense, then they say that, so they'll have it redacted. They'll have like the project ID number, and then they'll have the, what is it? Um, it's like the, I forget the terminology they use, but basically whoever the group is that's putting the money through. So, so you can't really trace it. Right. So that's all mm -hmm. been redacted. And instead you get this little blurb that says information has been redacted in accordance with the two, two principled. I can't read it cause it's cut off edge. You want to read exceptions it? of the foreign aid transparency and accountability act of 2016 including the health and security of implementing partners as well as national interest of the United States. So they're redacting and withholding information from you due to the Foreign Aid Transparency and Accountability <laughs> Act. <that> hilarious? <laughs> How many times have we seen the word transparency and it means the exact opposite? Mm -hmm. It's so funny. So... <laughs> Yeah. So this is why we will never know where the funds are really going. I mean, we know it's a big laundering scheme, but we'll never, we'll never, we'll get to the bottom of it. And, and so, I mean, I just wanted people to be aware of that because even, and I think it's kind of funny and I don't know if they've been pushing recently, but I do remember there was a time months back where uh, there were Republicans saying, like, putting together a letter and saying, we demand to know or we want, you know, where the funds are going. Do they not understand that the World Bank Group has full immunities? All their documents and bank accounts are inviolable. Right. I mean, they must know this. Tell me. Right. Of course they know this. Of these things. Oh, What's of that? course. Of course. And that's got to be all theater, too. It's like you guys are well aware that these people have zero transparency. Right. And you're signing checks of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. And, mm -hmm. you know, it goes through the World Bank and supposedly ends up in Ukraine just to be laundered there and in the, in the pockets of corrupt officials. Um, you know that there's no transparency. Right. You know it. Yep. No, it's just all payouts going out to this ongoing, wonderful battle that we're going to talk about uh, in this podcast. But the other thing I wanted to just let people know, I was trying like heck to get it done before this podcast so we could go over it. But uh, like all digs I do, I end up finding these other tunnels that I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. And so... The report's getting longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's always yeah. unexpected tangents, right? You're like, whoa, I, know. I didn't know about that. And you got to uh, include it. I'm like, you know, how I don't even know I'm going to organize this because there would be about 20 different subheaders to it. So mm -hmm. I'm doing my best to try to um, cut some stuff down and bullet point, you know, to get to the point on some things. I'll probably end up doing like a nutshell summary at the top and then all the information below it. Because it's kind of covering uh, several different areas. I'm covering where we're at with the whole currency situation, uh, digital currency, financial, because uh, there's been some big moves going on that I don't know if people are aware of. And coincidentally, when I, I had this epiphany of the control grid operation, and so I started digging into it, and I'm like, I think I'm right on the money here. So then I start cross-referencing and finding 
other information that plays into this. So it's kind of a conglomerate of the control grid, the financial control grid as well. And the, uh, where I believe where and how this operation is going to run. Right. So it's a little bit of um, a time sucker and I'm, I'm half done with writing it, but there's still some loose ends I need to tie up with research so I can finish writing the other half. So hopefully I will have that out next week. That's nice. Yeah. That'll be great um, for us to talk about soon. I guess um, when, you know, when we can, Uh, I know that next week we're not going to be here. Then we got Elza coming. So so it'll have to, we'll have to go over it the week after that. There we go. Nice. Okay, great. But then this is kind of a perfect segue because uh, you were just talking about like the sort of the financial control grid that they're trying to implement. Mm -hmm. And really this whole situation with BRICS is adding another element to that, right? (laughs) And so we're going to talk about BRICS for a good portion of the podcast, um, really kind of break down um, what it all means. And um, because we're all taking kind of a crash course in global economics, right? (laughs) Right. Right. And so um, I'm going to go over some of the basics and, you know, we'll talk about what it all means for us. So the the BRICS alliance is becoming a growing threat to the U.S. dollar and the world's reserve currency. Um, while the U.S. dollar has enjoyed its position as the global reserve currency since the end of World War II in Bretton Woods, there's a significant shift away from the U.S. dollar by BRICS countries, and these these countries include Brazil, Russia, China. India, South Africa, Ethiopia, Argentina, Egypt, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Iran. So the U.S. has become... With well, potentially the, a lot more on the horizon. Correct? Yeah, there's been a lot of applications. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the U.S. became the world's reserve current currency um, at the end of World War II, Um, and the financial reset of Bretton Woods. Um, Prior to that, Britain's sterling was the reserve currency. And we really have a lot to learn from the collapse of Britain's sterling and those parallels to what's happening now with the U.S. dollar, as well as a Bretton Woods 2.0 financial reset on the horizon. So Britain's currency was backed by gold until about 1931. And then the country, so they, so they, so they, uh, you know, stopped backing the currency uh, with gold. That, that's problem number one. Then the country accrued enormous amounts of debt from World War I and World War II, which devalued the currency, leading to really inevitable collapse um which is what prompted what prompted the Bretton Woods financial reset and really codified the US as the new reserve currency backed by gold back then and then what happened was the US um did the same thing we abandoned the gold standard in 1971 and the US has since followed suit by racking up astronomical amounts of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at nearly 33 trillion in debt now. 
the permanent Washington Uniparty has done nothing to take the debt problem seriously on both sides. Right. Uh, we have out of control spending, which has led to the devaluation of the dollar, inflation, and instability of the dollar as the reserve currency. Everybody feels it. Everybody's feeling the inflation. That on that level, we get it. We get it. This massive amount of debt and out of control spending in Washington ha is what has caused everything that we buy and pay for, all of our bills, our groceries, our gas, everything to skyrocket and make living difficult for us. Not to mention the category there on U.S. federal tax revenue, revenue per citizen. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of coin. Yep. So the U.S. has really used our power um, as the reserve currency, as leverage to control the politics and the economics in other countries around the world. And we see this most recently with the economic warfare against Russia, right? I mean, that's the, kind of the real world um, example you, you can see happening right now of mm -hmm. economic warfare, using our leverage, our control um, to, to do that. And now the BRICS nations are really gaining power and forming this alliance to break away from the U.S.'s political and economic influence and launch a counterattack really on the U.S. dollar. This is economic warfare against the U.S. dollar. And because the U.S. dollar isn't backed by gold anymore, its value really depends on its status as the reserve currency and mainly has to do with the trade of oil in U.S. dollars, dubbing it the petrodollar. So now that Saudi Arabia has joined BRICS, this takes the economic war to a really a new level. And the U.S. has had to deal, ha, we've had a deal with Saudi Arabia since the 1970s, which meant that the Saudis would trade exclusively, trade oil exclusively in U.S. dollars. And with this realignment of Saudi Arabia joining BRICS and um, this possibility of that no longer being the case, um, then the U.S. dollar's value really could crash. And um, the BRICS nations, so they now consist of about 42% of the global population. Hmm making up about 32% of global GDP. And this has surpassed the G7 countries for the first time of uh, their global GDP, their share of global GDP being about 30%. And most importantly, what it's done is now... Um, BRICS nations control a majority of the world's oil production, estimated at over 50% and up to 80%. That's so, a big span. Yeah, yeah, weird. <laughs> Huge span. But now more than ever would be a good time to make the U.S. national debt and oil production here at home top priorities but we know this regime won't 
do that. Right. Because, you know, we have traitors running the government who are dead set on taking down America from within and right. really just plundering the ship before it sinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the BRICS nations are planning to introduce a new BRICS reserve currency backed by gold to break away and compete against the U.S. fiat currency. And China and, uh, let's see, China and Russia have been stockpiling massive amounts of gold in preparation for this breakaway. Uh, China buys 23 tons of gold in nine straight months of purchases, rising to a record number of 2,137 tons as of about three weeks ago. Hmm. Russia's um, got somewhere around, see, gold reserves in Russia increased to 2,329 tons uh, in the second quarter of 2023. So um, they're definitely stockpiling gold in in preparation of this breakaway. Russia, in particular, has been doing it to sort of make themselves immune from our sanctions and it's worked uh we thought or our idiots in washington thought (laughs) that the sanctions were just going to wreck russia's economy didn't happen because russia saw foresaw this and planned ahead and really decoupled from the u.s dollar as much as possible uh you know and has been you know forming these alliances um to to really maintain their their economic status and so um yeah they've taken a hit but not they're not devastated they're not anywhere close to being devastated financially um because of the sanctions that we've imposed on them um so um central banks have really also taken notice um about this sort of stockpiling of gold going on between china and russia and other countries and really it's prompted central banks to do so as well like so all the central banks everyone's stockpiling gold in preparation for this they all see the writing on the wall it is absolutely wild watching this battle Mm -hmm. because whereas we see us against them being the globalists the central bankers the uh satanists right it's really themselves against themselves as well there's there's a massive battle going on uh to maintain control of their own countries middle management to all of this uh so that the west doesn't you know hold control and in addition to that when you get down to the financial aspects of it the in the digital world you know from crypto to wallets to um Elon wanting to, you know, have his platform run half the world's financials through it. Uh, there is massive competition at play here. This is this is an all-out battle. It's not like a cut and dry. The right. globalists are this perfect tight-knit team, and they're going to just go after, you know, eight billion civilians. It's it's yeah. So right. it's very and, very wild watching all this. And countries playing both sides. Um, mm-hmm. they- you know, hedging their bets as to who's oh, going to yeah. come like, out on top. I was looking up. I was just looking up. Uh, 
you know, is China still part of the part of BIS? And they appear to be. And is Russia? Well, no, Russia was suspended from BIS last year over their, you know, engagement in war. So, yeah, it's it's a wild ride. It is, but we need to spell it out for the people for what it means for the regular people, because um, that's what they're not telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, So if the U.S. dollar is decoupled from oil trade on a major scale and it loses its status as the reserve currency, that would mean total devaluation of the U.S. dollar and inflation would just skyrocket and we'd have an economic depression here in the U.S., Um, I don't think this is something that will happen overnight, um, but we're watching the beginning of this great financial reset happening and this uh, power play here, um, this struggle, um, you know, and alliances being formed. Um, And it's not just going to play out on an economic level, I believe. We're also watching tensions rising, uh, leading to more war. Uh, I believe, between G7 countries and BRICS countries. And a lot of that has to do not just with the financial side of things, but if you look here domestically at the U.S., um, here in the U.S., the the Biden regime's falling apart. Biden's corruption is totally exposed. Um, a lot of, of this escalation towards war, war, I believe, is trying to cover up the lies. Think about Ukraine, for example, all the shit that was happening in Ukraine before. And here we have this full-blown war happening over there. A lot of that has to do with covering up the lies and the corruption of the Biden regime. Right. But the on a, just a grander scale, um, I think that um, they need to cover up the lies, the corruptions, the failures of the Biden regime by creating another distraction. Um, war is one way to do that. And also being able to assume wartime powers um, with this just power-hungry regime, um, it it seems like it's inevitable. Yeah, there's one thing I do want to point out, though, just because I pay attention to what's being said out there on social media, and I see a lot of different theories flying. Um, So I think some people are under the impression that there's these this the this role of a group of saviors coming in to save us from this digital control and uh they're going to take down the un and they're going to take down the globalists and that is not what i am seeing uh we are going digital regardless uh they all want to they're all working towards that and uh the control systems and the surveillance um they're not taking down the un because the un is the best cover they have to roll all these agendas out and and i mean that for every country so it whereas it's kind of like all these different fighters have very common goals but they're trying to maintain their own status with their own country you know, right, right. They, they're, they're still all controllers and they're, we're still, you know, they're still moving forward in the same direction. It's just who's going to play what role. And mm-hmm. yeah, so. 
Yeah, and I was going to say something along those same lines. I mean, it's really going to be interesting to watch how this economic war plays out between a gold-backed BRICS currency versus, say, a CBDC enslavement system. And I can see why people would be hopeful that a gold-backed currency could challenge the globalists' plans for a digital currency system. But I think that viewpoint is somewhat naive because the reality of the economic warfare between BRICS countries and G7 countries would really mean a great depression level economic hardship for people in the U.S. like we've never seen in our lifetimes. So I'm not necessarily rooting for that scenario. Um, And I also believe the economic warfare will likely spill over into a hot war uh, between the U.S. and Russia or China. And of course, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and the reality is we don't even need the CBDC. They can hold off on that for 10 years if they want. Um, with the things locking into place, the way they're moving forward with this, and I'll, I am going to break some of this down in my report I'm working on, uh, they can implement the control grid without it. They don't need it because they've already got everything else in place. So... It's not a battle over CBDC per se. It's 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 more of everything else we just got through discussing. You know what I mean? Right, I just wanted right. to like clarify that. Yeah. And I was gonna play this this clip here um before I move on to kind of the where the you know the Federal Reserve stands and the IMF stands, kind of where this is all go- leading us to, as this power play between you know this economic warfare plays out. But I wanted to play this Tucker clip because um, tangentially he's talking about um, the potential uh, for war coming in the near future. Um, I mean, we're already kind of in a proxy war with Russia, but he's suggesting that's going to go f- to the next phase. Um, mm. And and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that because I do see why, I, I do see this as a valid argument, this as a possibility, and we should, pos- we should think about it and talk about it. So I'm going to play the clip. Okay. You know, here's here's my view of it. Um, I think the lies are, are are unsustainable. Lying is always unsustainable. You're always found out in the end, whether in your lifetime or posthumously. But your you know lies are always revealed by their nature, and these lies are so big and so obvious and so stupid that it's going to be very clear to the majority of voters before the election that the Biden administration has no idea what it's doing, that Joe Biden is not running the government and that it's not working at all. And I think by that point, we're gonna have a real economic contraction. I think we're gonna be in the in the teeth of a very tough recession and that makes everything much more intense. And so if your goal is to maintain power, and if you think once you relinquish power, the problem with everything becoming, the problem with criminalizing politics is the people who do it imagine or know that it will be done to them. So once you start indicting your political opponents, you know that you have to win or else they're going to indict you if they win. Right. Right. And so they can't lose. They will do anything to win. So how do they do that? They're not going to do COVID again. I know everyone on the right's afraid they're going to do COVID and mask mandate. They're not going to do that. They can't do that. If they've already been exposed, that won't work. There's going to be. No. What are they going to do? They're going to go to war with Russia is what they're going to do. There will be a hot war between the United States and Russia in the next year. And really? on the 
of yes, of course they want it anyway. Um, I don't think we'll win it, but that's a separate analysis. But I think as a political matter, they need to declare war footing in order to assume war powers in order to win. I believe that. And I think well, the evidence suggests that's true. So if you're worried about our politics getting like even more vicious than it already is, and people being hurt in our politics, which is entirely possible, you should be worried about the prospect of an open war. We're already at war with Russia, of course. We're, we're funding their enemies. So we're fighting Russia. But I mean, an open battle with Russia, where we say we're at war with Russia. I think that could easily happen. Uh, you know, I think we could Tonkin gulf our way into it, where all of a sudden missiles land in Poland. The Russians did it. Our NATO allies been attacked. We're going to war. I could see that happening very easily. So if you're worried about that, you need to put as much pressure as you possibly can on the Republican-held Senate to force a peace, which can be done. The United States could force a peace in Ukraine tonight. We're funding one side. There is no Ukrainian army outside of NATO. If NATO withdrew its support for Ukraine, Ukraine would crumble in a day. So we are the only power in the world that can bring both sides to the table to force a peace, which will be unsatisfactory as all forced pieces are. Like each side will give more than it wants, but that's the only option. Otherwise, we I would bet my house on it. We are going to war with Russia. And of course, the stakes are, are everything, our life on the planet. I mean, these are the two biggest nuclear arsenals in the world facing off against each other. So like, this is insane. They're insane. These are people who think men can become women who believe that face masks save you from COVID. I mean, these are not rational people. Would they go to war with Russia? Of course they would. Again, they want to anyway. And I don't know why Republicans don't get this at all, but they don't seem to get it. And meanwhile, Republican leaders, and Mitch McConnell's seen now too, so I don't even blame him, but all the stupid Republican senators and McCarthy in the House, I mean, it's pathetic. Um, these people are all on board with the war against Russia. Why? Well, I think it may even be scarier because you say they believe masks work or they believe men can become women and so on and so forth. I don't know that they believe that. I think well, that's, it, it may be right. worse. I think they're. I think they can you, say you, or do anything to hang on to power. Their, their view of Russia is very, uh, and I can say this as someone who was, you know, against the Soviets when it mattered, um, when they existed. Uh, but I'm maybe the only person in the United States who doesn't really have very strong feelings about Russia. I don't. I don't, I'm not that interested in Russia. I don't see it as our enemy or ally. I just don't have strong emotions about Russia. So I look at this and I see true hysteria. Like they've convinced themselves that our global enemy is Russia. And I really think they mean that. And I, certainly the Republicans mean it. You know, the Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, you know, the low IQ wing of the Republican Party, which is most of the Republican Party, is low IQ at the leadership level. They all think that and they mean it. And like someone needs to slap them awake. You're leading this country to its destruction. We've already lost control of the world. The American empire's in free fall right now. And we're gonna lose the US dollar. And when that happens, we're gonna have real poverty here, like Great Depression level poverty. And it comes from this war. And I don't understand why no one else can see this, but it's super obvious once you leave, the, go spend a week in Europe and talk to smart people on both sides. Like it doesn't matter what their politics are and ask them like, what, what effect? do you think the war in Ukraine has had on American leadership in Europe? <laughs> Dude, and by the way, Western Europe is our only reliable ally in the world. We only have one out real ally. 
um, and that's Western Europe. And Western Europe is being destroyed by this. The German economy was crushed when the Biden administration blew up Nord Stream. I know nobody cares, but if you think like long term about this, they're really kicking the legs out from under this country in a way that is not possible to repair, at least in the short term. You know, here. Wowzers. I'd have to sit and, and mull all this over for a bit, Edge. I, uh, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, what he's saying does make sense. But again, I, you know, this is not my area of expertise. And yeah, I, I mean, I, a couple of things. I, I like what Adam Carolla said, which is that he doesn't he, he doesn't feel confident that the permanent Washington Washington actually believes the crap that they spew to us, like masks mm -hmm. work or that there's a million genders and you're, you're just whatever right. gender you feel that day. Those are just mechanisms for controlling the population and and turning us against each other. So right. I totally agree with the way, the way Adam Carolla um, spoke on that. I don't think that um, Washington believes um, these lies that they tell us about these things are just measures for control and the same way that they don't um, necessarily believe that that, you know, Russia's our biggest threat. Um, I think that they're all in on this scheme, that it's a money laundering operation, and they're all in on this scheme to take down America from within. And it starts by, um, you know, weakening America and then, you know, making there be power struggles on the global stage. Right. Alliances right. formed. Um, but I do think that um, he has a valid point in that the COVID restrictions that we all suspect are coming and that have started to started to come already, say, in colleges and so forth. Right. That we we don't anticipate them to to be as effective this time around. Most of the population, or a large portion of the population, know it was a scam, right? And aren't going to comply. So, what else do they have? What what other card are they going to play? I think war is definitely one of those cards. And um, alongside that, it would give them extra powers, you know, um, to justify. Um, you know, doing more tyrannical things. So what are your thoughts on that? I have to sit and stew on all of this and assess it because I, 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 you know, I come from a totally different angle and different areas of research. So I, I'm looking at the, the globalists. I'm not even looking at Washington because we know they're pulling the strings behind the scenes on much of this. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm yeah. honestly, I'm not feeling it, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I think we can agree on that. This is all by design. You know, the U.S.'s astronomical debt, the devaluation of the dollar, the proxy war against Russia, the oh, weakness yeah. of, of America. It's all designed to bring about an inflection point for another Bretton Woods well, type. And when I when I say I'm not reset. feeling it, I'm not talking about the war and the battles and everything going on. That's quite apparent. I'm talking about boots on the ground, uh, nukes flying, bloodshed. You know, I'm talking about that. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think that it, it's hard to to guesstimate from this point um, how hot the war could get. Um, but 
I think that it's a possibility that it could escalate significantly from here, from this point, um, especially leading up to the election. And, um, you know, speaking of this, this Bretton Woods, how it's all kind of by design to lead to an inflection point of a Bretton Woods type great financial reset, um, you know, the Federal Reserve has openly discussed how they're exploring CBDCs partly um, justifying it partly because it's a way to maintain the dollar as the world's reserve currency. Uh, This isn't, you know, uh, conspiracy theory. This is their own papers saying that. Um, So they foresee this happen. So they've created this situation where the dollar is weak in order to justify their solution of a CBDC system. Right. And the same thing over at the IMF, um, they've been talking about since 2020, you know, um, since they unleashed the COVID PSYOP, the gene therapy bioweapon, they've, since they've accrued, you know, skyrocketing, skyrocketing debt over this manufactured COVID crisis, so they again create the crisis to initiate their solution calling it a new Bretton Woods moment. Mm-hmm. And so they're openly discussing a new great financial reset as a a solution to the problems that they've created. But this right. financial reset would be CBDCs, social credit scores, digital IDs, you name it. And as we just said, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch this play out on, you know, the economic war between BRICS currency versus CBD and C enslavement system. And um, well, it's all going to be an enslavement system, in my opinion. It doesn't matter which who's running which digital currencies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a way that it all transacts. And there's the control mechanisms as far as we're concerned can still be rolled out and implemented mm-hmm. whether it's fragmented or whether they do this uh, a global cbd you know CBDC, right, right. or it's half the country and the other half or half the world rather and the other half of the world all the other things that fall into place can still build the control grid without it without it being this perfect unified dream that they would like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna have to keep an eye on it because it's not going to be an overnight situation this is something that's going to be playing out over time um that we need to just kind of watch um and how it's you know the real world impacts that it's going to have um for us for our dollar um as this economic warfare continues um, right yeah. So um, moving on to the the next topic, which is really all about um, the backlash and the how this, this whole Trump indictment, Trump mugshot, everything, how it's backfired. Um, obviously, I don't have to, you know, overstate how much um, this the Trump indictments are blatant election interference by a regime that's desperate to maintain power by stealing the 2024 election. And, um, you know, one obvious example is this 
you know, rushing Trump's trial date on January on for the January 6th case to happen on March 4th, um, which is the day before the Super Tuesday, uh, a hugely important Republican primary day. And then another obvious example of this is um, a scheme by states like New Hampshire to remove Trump from the ballot using the 14th Amendment excuse, um, which they've backtracked on because they've gotten severe backlash. People were calling, showing up. Um, Charlie Kirk kind of, you know, spearheaded this movement and um, lit up. New New Hampshire's, um, you know, uh, leaders and and you know, calling for them to not remove Trump from the ballot. Yeah, um, and they're backing down. Um, but then, obviously, the most the most obvious um, <laughs> example is their attempts to demonize, demoralize Trump with this now infamous mugshot, and uh, that's backfired spectacularly um the mugshot was just you know instantly iconic and it's done nothing but which really- a lot of people are saying is not a legit mugshot and none of them were actually indicted and there's so many different speculations flying on that interesting yeah i haven't heard all of those speculations <laughs> i heard I, i've seen various versions of this photo so maybe they're you know yeah well one of the things was that was funny there's there's one tiny one i can debunk right off the bat is a lot of people were saying this doesn't make sense the little logo on trump is so tiny and the other ones are so big and there's no way and so i showed it um they actually were in front of the same wall because there was a uh bump on the wall and so you could see there are different heights you know so whatever it may be I haven't dug into it and I'll probably never know the hundred percent truth on this, but the fact is the logos are um, vector images that are laid over the photo after the photos are taken. And it's pretty funny because if you look at Fulton County's um, other mugshots of people and gosh, there are a lot, I mean, wow, the crime there, I'm pulling up like mayors and all kinds of people. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So I'm looking at the mugshots. I'm going, all right, <clears throat> the size of the logo is almost identical in all of them. And I showed one where it actually overlapped the girl's hair. I mean, I've done graphic design for years, so that's how I knew it was You know, obvious to me. It's a vector image that's placed over it. It's not like sitting there on the wall and then they sit next to it or in front of it. So that, so photos, my point is photos were taken in front of the same wall and the logos are overlaid after the fact and which kind of makes me laugh because i go well what did he negotiate with them to make his logo extra small in the background so it almost looks like uh he's the sheriff instead of a mugshot <laughs> you know maybe and, you made a deal <laughs> yeah so i i don't know i don't yeah. know the whole thing is just so well, much regardless theater. oh yeah yeah it absolutely is but the the real world implications of it are that it's rallied more people to his side not less totally backfired i mean he's actually uh, you know his fundraising has has surged um trump's uh caravans are are going strong now It, it just seems like there's even more support 
um, and it's totally backfired. I'm just reading this tweet here. The Trump campaign has raised a whopping 20 million in the month of August, nearly 10 million of that coming after Trump had his mugshot taken in Fulton County. Um, talk about a massive, massive backfire. Of course, the Trump campaign's mm-hmm. using it um, to sell swag, which I would absolutely right. do. Uh, <laughs> the Trump campaign sold 36,000 t-shirts, 24,000 coffee mugs, 8,600 posters, all with Trump's mugshot on them. You have to love to see it. Yeah, I would absolutely use that uh, to campaign because it's a rallying cry. I mean, it's like, look, this this injustice can be done to me, then it can be done to you. And I think that people see right through it. So the point of this being that um, everything that they have tried so far has failed. Um, Polling showing that Trump is beating Biden in a landslide right now. Um, And so... You know, you have to look at the scale uh, or the trajectory here, and that's why I want to kind of talk about where this all goes next, because if everything they tried failed, what's next? Because they tried the Russia hoax, that failed, he was elected. Then they tried the impeachment, those failed. Um, Now they're doing indictments, not just one, but four of them. And each time, um, with each failure, um, he becomes more popular, and simultaneously, they get more desperate. And it's like a clear escalation of what they're willing to do to stop him. So that's why I think, you know, that's why I'm concerned. And um, why I think we're living in a pretty dangerous time. Um, Well, but one key step they can still do is steal the election, like they've done so many times. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that they think they have it in the bag, that they are going to steal it. But these um, indictments and attempts to get him off the ballot in states tells me that they're worried. Um, And so, you know, you could see how it's clearly getting more and more desperate. And so I wanted to talk to you about the possibility and Tucker has brought this up when he interviewed Trump on the night of the GOP uh, primary debate. And then he's brought it up again in other interviews. I won't play the clip, but um, you know, he and others are suggesting the next step in this escalation is a potential for an assassination attempt. Um, And, you know, it's not like that hasn't happened in the past. Um, We know for sure now that, you know, the deep state, assassinated JFK. So it's not like we can't put that past the deep state to do again now, because it seems like they hate Trump way more than they hated JFK. Well, I would say we can't 100% discount it. But on the other side of that, I would say he's been the best person for creating the divisions that they've needed to create to push their agendas forward. In other words, you have to have players on the other side with big voices in order to point that to them, in order to push your agendas, in order to create division and argument and chaos. So removing that element uh, could hurt them. And I think they still control all the machines and have the ability to steal the election. So I don't know. Yeah. I just think that it's it's a precarious time. And it is. Really, everything is up in the air. Everything is on the table. Um, if that were to happen, let's let's assume 
that they've run out of options and they play the assassination attempt card, what would happen next? I think there would be, you know, you could expect there would be a huge uprising. Um, no doubt, if I suspect it, then the deep state would be planning for that scenario and it'd be, they'd probably treat it like another fed surrection, right? I mean, and criminalize any protests, really essentially enacting martial law. I do not want to see it go that way. Right. No, no one does. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, I'm praying for Trump's safety. Um, I think we need to stay vigilant. 2024, no doubt, is going to be a very wild ride. Yes, it is indeed. Yeah. Um, last topic. Um, I thought we would end on a kind of a fun note, a good note. Oh, wait, before you, t- before you tell that, let me just bring up one thing. The, the lawsuits from... Uh, what is it, the Biden administration against Elon Musk, which I haven't even looked at because as soon as I saw it, uh, to me, it's it's another play in a playbook. So everyone's been hammering Musk about the block button and about the censorship and about his new CEO connections with WEF and the new... Uh, EU laws rolling out with this no, new button where you can report people and the whole free speech thing. And they're all hammering, hammering them, hammering them. And we need to turn that quickly because we need people to believe that he is on the side of the people. And so we need to now target him immediately in suits that are going to go nowhere. And uh, they were suits again from Biden administration, wasn't it, Edge? Did you have a link on that? I thought we yeah. had a link. But, yeah, I mean, I think it was um, actually the. And, and so by doing or, that, yeah. immediately what happens? People come to Elon's defense. They forget about all the other things about their free speech and the other things really going on that impact us. And now they come to his defense and massive freaking distraction to make it seem like he's on our side and he's a target and he's a victim and oh poor poor elon and let's cheer for him on something that's going to go nowhere (laughs) i just needed to bring that up because it it had to get had to get that off your chest i did (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it's funny because things go back and forth with elon he's like such this this gray character you know people go through moments of loving him hating him loving him hating him um, you know, this this latest uh, attack um, on Musk, um, it really is kind of rallying people to more look favor- favorably on him and come to his defense. So that's sort of convenient, I suspect. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, all right. So um, last topic for the podcast, thought we'd close it out with something um happy something positive and you know inspirational this week we saw a story about a 12 year old boy named Jaden who got kicked out of class for displaying the Gadsden flag and uh, this was displayed on his backpack and um, the school claimed so this this went viral the school claimed that um, it was disruptive, 
that it, the flag has, you know, ongoing or is, is origins with slavery and is associated with racism. So his, uh, his mom fought it and really educated these Marxist idiots on the real origins of the Gadsden flag and the true meaning of what it stands for. Well, this whole thing went viral. Look at that smile on I, his I face. I love watching love him. face on this. <laughs> yes, yes. And what I love is that his mom is really standing up for him. You know, she's like, the, the, the Gadsden flag was, you know, something that the founding fathers, um, you know, would have supported. And, you know, um, and, and they, they would have supported um, my son standing for what he believes in, right? Right. Um, so I just love the way the mom defended her, her son there um, against these Marxists in his school. Well, um, you know, it's it's a charter school. It's not a public school. Yep. Yep. It, this oh. cancer is everywhere, <laughs> even mm-hmm. in charter schools. But yeah, their rationale was so ridiculous. It's like, you know, the Proud Boys carried the Gadsden flag or the Gadsden flag was seen in January 6th and that kind of oh, a thing. Right. Lord. That's why it's racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um anyways the um the story it, it ends it ends well because this got so much publicity and so much backlash and so much support for Jaden um that the school board responded and i'm going to read the response here um it says we won justice for Jaden yesterday the student uh returned with the patch still visible on his backpack following the district direction vanguard administrators pulled the student aside so that they could speak with his parents and the district upon learning of these events today the vanguard school board of directors called an emergency meeting from vanguard's founding we have proudly supported our constitution the bill of rights and the ordered liberty that all americans have enjoyed for almost 250 years the vanguard school recognizes the historical significance of the Gadsden flag and its place in history. This incident is an occasion for us to reaffirm our deep commitment to to a classical education and support of these American principles. At this time, the Vanguard School Board and the district have informed the student's family that he may attend school with the Gadsden flag patch visible on his backpack. So, and it's crazy that it had that it all had to go this far and through they had to go through all of this over this patch. I know it's ridiculous, Dang. but you got to stand your ground somewhere, right? That's I'm so right. proud. So so happy for this this kiddo and so proud yep. of him and his family for standing up for what he believes in. So we have an update on Jaden. Jaden decided to go back to school uh, with the patch in place. He said he'd do a sit-in if necessary to protest. Uh, two law firms have stepped forward to assist as necessary to fight the viewpoint discrimination. Lots of media interest. Mom and son will likely be on Hannity. Probably were hmm. already were. Um, no known response yet from the school or district offices. Let's see what t- time this was. Um, because the school board did reply. Yeah, actually. that was just before they responded. Yeah, yeah. So they did respond. Hmm. Um, Colorado governor tweeted about it, disagreeing with the school. Jaden mm-hmm. sent me a video telling me his favorite Tuttle Twins book. Apparently, he was inspired by the Tuttle Twins. 
and he is campaigning to be school president. <laughs> the tri-corner hat, the patriot hat he's wearing here is part of his shtick. Super patriotic kid. That's so cute. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> we need more Jadens in this world. And, That's uh, right. Yeah, so this is actually how it's done. Parents standing up for their kids, exposing the Marxists in school, going public with it, getting this, the public to support and rally behind these people. This is how it's done, and this is how we win. So um, if you That's have these right. types of situations, take Jaden's situation as an example of how to, uh, to fight back. That's right. That was a good one. Yeah, I was happy to see that. It brought a smile to my face this week <laughs> and the, those are few and far between sometimes so we need those yeah definitely oh i have a quick story about the gatson flag i almost forgot so hmm. um you know you know i live in a small town we moved out of the city to get away from you know just the chaos that we right. saw coming new you know it was smarter to live out um in a small town like on the outskirts of a small town and yeah. uh, the the town i live in is super conservative like totally conservative every other house has you know a, a trump flag or an fjb flag or a gadsden flag <laughs> right okay so we were flying our gadsden flag and uh saw that there was a cop car parked like right in front of our house just sitting there hmm. and um you know like we literally live at the edge of town like there's nothing but hundreds of acres of fields beyond our house right like so what is this this cop car doing at our house what you know right. somebody call our where our chickens being too loud or something i don't know but um then the story came out of Jaden and the gadget flag and we were like oh huh i wonder if hmm. like i wonder if they're like jotting down who's you know who's right. flying the Gadsden flag or something and because you have to understand that even in um small towns probably to a lesser extent but to, even in small towns there's going to be some of those you know woke elements inside um right. police forces right please tell me that you went out and talked to him no he took off uh before you know we were just it was literally like maybe three to five minutes and we were like hmm and then he took off so oh, um so and then we didn't even there. realize it until later putting two and two together like huh was he jotting down that we have a gadson flag <laughs> right um but th if that's the case then he'd be stopping every other house you know? right <laughs> i mean maybe he just pulled over to eat a snack and write maybe, down some notes maybe maybe who knows who knows that's but, funny though yeah <laughs> Yeah, anyways. I wish I lived in a town like that, Edge, mm, where everyone's nice. flying good flags. <laughs> it's nice. <sighs> All right, guys, I think that about wraps it up for today. So thanks for joining us today here on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in no longer on YouTube, so please be sure to subscribe to our other platforms, and we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.